Live. Live. Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We already did our baseball recap here with Anthony Sorbellini. He got you set for the final week of the regular season. Some big series abound. Today, we're going to do the second half of the podcast. We're doing our, our week four NFL picks. I'm going to be joined by the great John Stanko, a big time Patriot fan. Ready to get him on with the big Tom Brady return to Foxborough. That's coming up in just a bit. Make sure you lock in the other show for the two-minute drill. I'm going to give you my take on the Mets search for a new GM, president, baseball operations, front office, whatever you call it. I think there are things that are bothering me with the way the search is being phrased. We'll get to that in just a bit, but we'll get it all started with our opening tip. We're going to take a look at the NFL Week 4 slate right after this. Ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip time. Talking NFL week number four. And before I get to week four, I want to point out it really sucks for New York football fans that. We have not even reached October yet, and the season's over both these teams. The Jets, we expected them to be bad. What you did not expect to see here was completely uncompetitive football. And that's what you're getting in week two, week three. Week two was the fault of the quarterback who threw four interceptions, and he took them right out of the game. Week three, everybody was bad. The offensive line couldn't block. Receivers from running backs dropping passes. The defense was getting shredded by Teddy Bridgewater. The quarterback made more mistakes. The coaching was conservative and scaredy cat. And that led to a 26-0 loss that was very, very reminiscent of a lot of those games to last season when the Jets were just non-competitive, out of the game early. This is one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen a team have. That's saying something considering Adam Gase coaching the offense all last year, and they were completely uninspired. The Jets have scored 20 points in three games. Not averaging 20 points a game. They've scored 20 in three games. And I am sick and tired of hearing Denzel Mims had a great week of practice. And then we get to Sunday. Denzel Mims is inactive again. Forget what's going on with Jason Crouch. There's a whole weird thing with the groin. Maybe code for he's unhappy with his contract. The fact of the matter is Denzel Mims was a second round pick last year. He showed talent when he's on the field. This GM picked him. The second round. You can't even blame Mike McCagan for this one. Joe Douglas picked him. And now he can't see the field when the Jets are scoring six points a game. When you're watching Braxton Berrios and Ryan Griffin getting dump offs and doing nothing with them. There is no reason in the world that Denzel Mims cannot be active and getting some snaps because he at least adds an element of verticality and pushes defenses down the field. And we've learned anything from Zach Wilson so far. He likes to throw down the field. Give the, that, them that option to stretch the defense, open up the running game a little bit, and make things happen because this offense ain't doing it. 
and you're basically tying one hand behind your back by leaving Denzel Mims out there. Good teams find ways to use their best players, even if he hasn't learned all the positions he's supposed to. You can put a package of plays in to bring Denzel Mims in for, and he can be useful for. Not doing that is really cutting off your nose to spite your face, and they're trying to make some stupid point I don't understand, but enough of this. He's got to play. I also don't want to hear from guys like Greg Van Roten, the terrible right guard who went up six pressures last week against against the Broncos about how Zach Wilson holds the ball too long. He needs to get the ball out faster. Greg, the kid's a rookie. You guys have been in the league for years and you can't block. He is running for his life. He's trying to make plays to win the game. Had the Ramones held the ball too long? Sure, but on average, he's running for his life the second the ball is snapped. That I don't like because I heard him, I heard Corey Davis do this too, where sort of the first thing out of their mouth was, Zach Wilson's the reason we're losing. At the end, we got to do better, but their first thought was, Zach Wilson is our problem. Whereas you listen to Zach Wilson on the podium, and, and reporters asked him, like, waiting up the drops, he said, you know what, it's on me. I can make the balls more catchable. I got to be better. That's accountability there. That's saying, I have to do better. I need to improve myself. That's what you want to see. There's the guys like Van Roten, Connor McGovern last week, Corey Davis is saying, he's got to do better. That's not a mentality I want to be having in there. That's not the do your job. Basically, they're saying, Zach's not doing his job, therefore I can't be blamed for not doing mine. Come on now. You got to do better than that. And then you get to the Giants. Who enters here with expectations? Maybe not nationally, as I talked about Nick Fred on the picks last week, but locally, or certainly hope that they could rebound from a second place finish and make it around the postseason. They are now 0 3. They lost an ugly game to the Falcons. Joe Judge is quickly losing the patience of Giant fans here. Joe Judge is doing really dumb things, like punting on fourth and three at the Falcon 39 against a bad defense. You need to trust your offensive lead to go for it. This is not 1971 where you're punting for field position. You need to win these games. They have not done enough offensively. They're not done enough defensively. They're not done enough coaching-wise. There's a reason John Mara is getting booed at halftime during the Elon Manning ceremony because the Giants have been the worst franchise in the National Football League. There's a record for the last five years. Not once in that span have they been over 500. Even the lousy Jets have had years where they've won the opening game. They were 3-2 in 2017 when the team stunk. The Giants have never been over 500. That's a problem. And you look at the schedule for these teams. Where are the wins coming from? You look at the Jets schedule next week. They got Tennessee coming in. You really think they're scoring points against uh, Ryan Tannehill and company? I don't think so. You think they're stopping Derrick Henry? I don't think so. You have the Falcons in London week five. You think you can win that, but the Giants thought they could win this game too. Look what happened. Then they have the bye. They come back New Eng- at New England. We saw what Bill did to Zach Wilson the first time. The Bengals at the Colts on a short week. Buffalo, Miami, the, at the Texans. There's a lot of games on here that are tough. You're looking maybe three, four wins toss to the Jets right now. They're going to keep playing this way. That's the Jets. And the Giants, who, by the way, this is the poorest because we thought it would be easy. The Broncos at home, going to Washington where Daniel Jones does wonders against that team, and the Falcons at home. You thought, minimum, you're 2-1 on this stretch. They're 0-3. Now, look what's going on for them. They go to New Orleans next week when they're reopening Superdome, and the Giants never win down there anyway. 
That game's going to be a blowout. They go to Dallas. And Dallas with their weapons. You think the Giants are scoring enough points to stay with them? No. Then you have the Rams coming in here. The Rams who just whipped Tampa Bay. Whipped them. You win that game? Carolina's coming in here. They're 3-0 with Sam Darnold. They've done well. Christian McCaffrey might be back by the time that game comes around. You win that game? I don't know. Depending on what you believe in the Panthers. Then you're going to Arrowhead on Monday night against the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs are 1-2, but they are a far better football team than you are. And you get the Raiders. And you want to say maybe you don't buy the Raiders being 3-0? Maybe. But they're 3-0, you're 0-3. Where are these wins coming from? This is going to be a dumpster fire. Would you be shocked if they're 0-9 at the bye? No. You're 0-9 at the bye, some heads got to roll. Whereas the GM, it's not going to be the coach yet. Whereas players getting benched, something has to happen here because this level of performance here is unacceptable. The Giants are in a spot where they are basically capped out next season with this mediocre roster. There's not much hope here. Their game against the Saints on Sunday, I expect this to be very ugly. Because again, the emotion of the Saints, they're coming back home for the first time since Hurricane Ida. They had their open, home opener in Jacksonville. The Bills will be jumping. be a lot of loud Saints fans. I expect this one to be a track meet in New Orleans Wednesday by at least double digits. The Jets, I mentioned the Titans here. The Jets haven't shown they can move the ball at all. I think they will be a little better offensively because Tennessee is nowhere near as good defensively as the first three teams they faced. But I don't trust their defense to stop the tight Tennessee offense. This is by far the best I've seen. The rest of the league sway here for week three, week four. Panthers, Cowboys, interesting test here for Carolina. Sam Darnold's playing that game without McCaffrey. He's going into Dallas where they have a lot of offensive weapons. We'll see what happens there. I think it'll be a fun game. Desperation game of the week. Colts, Dolphins. Colts are 0-3 after they lost to the Tennessee Titans this week. Dolphins 1-2. Blew a big lead in Vegas. Lost to the Raiders. They're playing with their back quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. That game's a desperate game for both those teams because the Colts, you can't start in 0-4 if you're hoping to win the South. You really can't. And the Dolphins, they have some tough games coming up here. They need to find a way to win. Because they got Tampa staring in the face the week after that. You got the NFC West Derby starting here two weeks in a row. First up, Cardinals, Rams, and that's with the three and O teams. The Cardinals were far less convincing in their game against Jacksonville. They took them to hang around for way too long before they won that pulled away that game. Rams look like the best team in football. Rams are at home. I think the Rams win that game. Seahawks 49ers are the other game in that division. Seahawks have to win this game. They Lost last week in a bad performance of the Vikings. Alexander Madison ran all over them. You have to look at this game against San Francisco and say, we have to win this because in this division where you have two teams that are going to be potentially 3-1, and 1-4-0 one, one, for sure, you can't be 1-3. You cannot be falling that far behind because your work's going to be way too much to cut here. Also, massive week for the Steelers who go to Green Bay, take on the Packers. I was... Right last week, I said the Steelers are in trouble against the Bengals. They end up losing the game outright. Ben looks old. He looks like he can't play anymore. Sort of the end of the Peyton Manning days, kind of what happened with him, where he's just trying to move the ball, can't do it. Peyton Manning, at the end of his time in Denver, was basically completely shot and had to be carried out of the defense. Pittsburgh going to Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Looks revitalized. A game-winning drive against the 49ers on Sunday night. That's a tough spot. The other one, Stringman, getting the 425 window here. Ravens, Broncos. And Denver's 3-0. But again, they've beaten three teams that have not won a game yet in the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets. 
Big step on weight class against Baltimore, who was lucky to win last week because the Justin Tucker 66-yard field goal gets the miracle bounced straight up in there to help them hang off, hang on against a very bad Detroit team. Look for a better effort out of Baltimore this week. I think it'll be an interesting game. Obviously, the big one of the week. Buccaneers, Patriots. Storylines bound. Tom Brady's homecoming. Patriots and Jasper need of a win. We'll get more into that next as we dive into our week four NFL picks with the great John Stanko. Right after this. Show me the money. All right, show me the money is back for week number four here on the Just End the Suffering podcast. Getting ready to make some NFL picks. And joining me for the first time on NFL picks, now that he is legally allowed to do so, the great John Stanko is here. John, how are you? I'm doing great, Mike. Yes, legally, no longer under the umbrella of the corrupt NCAA. It's wonderful. It's wonderful news. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is somebody, John Stanko, somebody I had in mind from year one of the podcast, but he was not legally allowed to do it at his previous job. But now he is free to come on here and do NFL picks all he wants. Yeah, now I'm surrounded by gambling 24-7 at Barstool, so it's nice. Yeah, Yeah, you bet responsibly, but gambling can be fun if you do it responsibly. Yeah, and just because John is here tonight, we are using the Barstool Sportsbook lines tonight for our picks. I usually do FanDuel, but since John is here, we will support the Barstool brand, do Barstool lines on the picks. I appreciate you doing that. I cannot go against the company, so I appreciate you being flexible, Mike. Hey, I'm always flexible for you, John. Thank you. And as I always do for the new people on this segment, people have not heard from before, you want to let the audience know who you root for in the NFL. Uh, I am a New England Patriots fan, have been since the day I was born. Uh, so it was been a good life for me thus far. We're going through a little bit of a rough patch now, but uh, it's been not a bad life for me. I'd sign for your rough patch after that life you've had. That's true. At least my team <laughs> can still score offensive touchdowns. Yeah. And when when did you hop on the Patriot bandwagon? Was it pre-Brady? Was it Brady? When was it? Uh, I was rooting for the Patriots pre-Brady. I remember doing so. Um yeah, I remember before Brady, there was a game. I was living in my old house on Kettletown Road, and Adam Benateri missed a kick off the cross, off the post, yeah, off the crossbar. And I sat and hid in a closet for 20 minutes, and my parents legit couldn't find me. So I was <laughs> sitting in a closet crying because I was so upset he missed the kick. Uh, and then, yeah, and then I remember Brady coming in. I remember where I was for that Rams, for that Rams Super Bowl, and every single Patriots Super Bowl, I remember where I'd been. So, I was watching before Brady, but obviously became more honed in once they became a better football program. Um, but yeah, been there since day one. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously you're coming in here this week off a tough loss to the Saints here. And that was one I think did not go as planned, obviously. So you watched that game closely. What did you take away from the week three game against the Saints? First of all, everyone is saying Mac Jones played bad can just go shut up because it's just not true. Mac Jones's offensive line was awful. The Patriots offensive line was awful. They didn't give Mac Jones any help. Trent Brown being out is, is really bad for the Patriots who already, I mean, they've had a consistently good offensive line, but right now there's just no fluidity to it. Mac Jones threw three picks. Yeah, sure. But only one of them was his fault. The wobbler. One of them went off Johnny Smith's hands directly into the receiver, into the, the, into the defensive back for a pick six, not Mac Jones's fault. Don't know what Jonathan Smith was doing with his footwork on that play. And then his hands were just lined with butter. And then this third interception was at the end of the game when Patriots had no chance of winning. He was trying to force something to happen. That's my biggest takeaway from the game, Mike, is that Mac Jones, sure, 
The offense is not taking shots. I don't think that's Mac Jones's fault because guess what? When you spread it out, give him four or five receivers, he is dicing up defenses with like 20 for 24 when passes are between five to 12 yards or something like that with the short passes. He's super accurate. So Mac Jones is playing fine. The Patriots are not a great football team. They are a C plus football team. Um, but that's my biggest takeaway from the game is I don't blame Mac Jones for loss because he's nothing to do with it. Yeah, I think this year is a strong reminder that the rookie quarterbacks are not the magic cure-alls for, for bad teams. I mean, we see it with the yeah. Jaguars, with the Jets. Justin Fields looked bad for the Bears. Trey Lance hasn't got to do much for the Niners, but just a lot of these rookie quarterbacks don't land in good spots, and the guys who are going to be Lamar Jacksons don't come don't grow on trees. Yeah, the, the crazy thing is, is I think uh, I think in Jacksonville, you have Trevor Lawrence being asked to do too much. In Justin Fields, I think he, in his first start, he had the same thing as Mac Jones, where they didn't trust him enough to maybe make big plays or to use what he does best to his advantage. So it, it depends where these quarterbacks go in the situation and the coaches that they have. So I think right now, if you were to give the biggest failing grade to the start of the season for the Patriots, it goes to Josh McDaniels as offensive coordinator, because I don't think the games that he is calling are particularly strong, and I don't think it's suiting the team that he has right now. I think he's still calling plays if he's a little scared. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched week two when the Patriots came into the MetLife, and Zach Wilson obviously gave the Patriots that game with all the all the interceptions there, but Josh Daniels in that game basically is turning Mac Jones to check down Charlie. He's not giving him any chance to make plays. Right, I mean, he, that's the thing. The offense didn't play that great against the Jets. Yeah. Luckily for the Patriots, the Jets suck. No yeah. offense, they're just freaking terrible. No, so, no argument there. Yeah, so it's, I listen, I... I mean, we're going to get into the picks, but I'm sure we'll talk about the game against Tampa Bay coming up. But let's just say I'm not optimistic about it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when I saw the schedule come out and I saw where the Tom Brady reunion was coming here. So that's when I have to see if Stankle do the picks and he's here for that. So obviously, the storyline of the week, probably the season here is Tom Brady coming back to New England for the first time with the Buccaneers playing against Belichick and the Patriots. So what's your take on him coming home as the conquering hero, having won the Super Bowl in Tampa? I hope he kick his ass. That's my honest answer. Yeah. I want to kick his ass and send him back down to Tampa with us with his second straight loss. I I don't I don't like fans of any sport, and I'm particularly annoyed with the Patriots fans because I'm one of them. But those who now are cheering for Brady to succeed at every level in Tampa Bay and to have all the success in the world, I don't I don't like that. I want my team to be better than anyone who's left my team. Like. I, I want to have success. I never root for the player. I always root for the team. It's just the way I've, I've been raised. It's the way I've always been. So seeing him win last year, it sucked, to be honest. And seeing him throwing touchdown passes to Gronk now sucks even more. So like this season, they've been a freaking dynamic duo again. So uh, it's, it's my, one of my biggest pet peeves. Is my biggest pet peeve with the NBA, biggestly with the sport, because they just root for the players. But I, I think it was time for Brady to leave. But it's a lot like a Taylor Swift song, Mike. If I can just be honest with you, it's like a Taylor Swift song. In the new song, Happiness, there's a line that goes, when a good man hurts you, but you know that you hurt him too. You could break up, but both, pe both people are at fault. Both people did things wrong, and now you have to reconcile with those circumstances. And right now, somebody's winning that breakup, but in the future, it might be somebody else. Right now, I hope the Patriots can get out of the doldrums of their depression of sitting in bed and yearning over what their ex is currently doing right now. And they finally get out of bed and kick some butt on Sunday. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Do I hope it happens? God, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think you made a good point there. Cause obviously it's like, they're both have issues here. I mean, the Patriots didn't put the best infrastructure around Tom Brady. Tom Brady said, you know what? I need a chain. I need to go somewhere else. So this, all these points where I feel like 
He's gonna get a good reception when he comes back there because obviously he held the receiver. Oh, yeah. He get the nice he, standing. He'll get like the Mike Piazza treatment at City at City at Chase Stadium. Came back with the Mets. He got the standing ovation. They start beating the Mets. They're like, okay, now we hate him again. Yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna get a standing ovation. I think if I was there, I would give a polite applause, but I wouldn't do the wooing. I wouldn't stand up. I wouldn't do the massive cheers. But he's going to get a massive ovation, yeah. and then he's gonna rip the souls out of every single Patriots fan there because God knows how competitive he is. He is going to want to put up another 400-yard game, but this time throwing four touchdowns with it. So I, it's going to be really tough, and it's going to be really painful to watch. I am dreading watching this game, but it's just like it's the slight bit of hope where they can maybe just do something magical and disrupt the whole NFL and create a storyline for the rest of the season. Because, I mean, I as much as NBC is milking this Brady coming back to Foxborough, Mike, yeah. imagine – Imagine just the entire, the entirety of the NFL coverage if Belichick beats Brady when he comes back to his house with an inferior team, if you will, but the coaching outwits the GOAT in their final, in their eventual reunion. Imagine the NFL coverage for the entirety of the season if that happens on Sunday. I think that's what ESPN, NFL Network, NBC, and everyone's rooting for secretly. Yeah, and I'll tell you what NBC is rooting for secretly too in this game. I think you had good nail on that storyline. They want... Fourth quarter, two minutes to go. Patriots up four. Tom Brady with the football, driving and try and beat them in 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 his own building. NBC would yeah, love that. They want that, but would they want Mac Jones with the football with two minutes left, a chance to pull a Tom Brady as comeback for his first ever comeback win as an NFL starter? It's also interesting. That's, That's something too. Does he have the Brady magic, Mac Jones? Can he turn? Then he turn back the clocks to 2001 in the Super Bowl when Brady led a comeback drive with nobody expected to take down the team that they thought was indestructible. Maybe something like that happens in Week Four of the NFL season here in 2021. I don't know. Yeah, I think they also put. I don't know, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I also think they put this in the exact right place in the schedule too. Because I mean, it's not too early. It's it does not before the baseball playoffs or attention can be diverted here. You have the last big spot here of like. Here is just us before we worry about November sweeps. I think that's the point where you have the Patriots still relevant. You you said they're not as good a team. You want them falling out of it. This is a good spot to have this game. Yeah, no, it's great. They did they did a phenomenal job scheduling this game. You knew it was going to be prime time. There's there was zero doubt. It was just whether it was going to be Sunday night or Monday night. And now with Sunday night being prime time for the sport, you knew it was going to be Sunday night. So the fanfare is going to be there. The coverage is going to be there. Twitter is going to be ablaze the entire game. I cannot wait to stay up far too late and watch the entire thing and have my heart ripped out of me. Yeah, and obviously you want them to win. So what do you think? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I want the Patriots to win so bad. So what is the key here? What do they have to do to win this football game? Because Tom Brady coming in here after a loss is going to be very angry. He he is going to be angry. I I think the Patriots have to pass the ball efficiently, and I think Mac Jones does that in the short to intermediate routes well. Um, just looking up some stats, the Bucks have allowed opponents uh, to throw for a 72% completion percentage thus far this season uh, on attempts uh, with an average attempt of seven yards per throw. So that is the short routes, which Mac Jones is very good at thus far. And if the Patriots go to some man beating type plays where they trust the receivers to get open in short spurts and Mac Jones is able to dice them up, the Patriots have a chance. And that would also go to the ball control, the possession, which you're going to need because you don't want the ball in Brady's hands. Because you can't trust you can't trust their offense not to do well because they have so many weapons. So you want to keep it away from them. It's really hard to run on the Bucks because their defensive line is just so good. So the, you got to be efficient with that short passing attack. You got to get in second, like second and five, second and four situations consistently. 
Uh, so I think that's really key. And then this is going to be a random one for you, but I think the Patriots got to win the special teams battle because they've looked bad on special teams thus far. They got a punt blocked against New Orleans, which is just uncanny. Uh, Gunner has not done a great job returning punts for the Patriots thus far this year. And But you look at the stats, the Patriots ranked fourth in the NFL in average starting position at the 32-yard line, and the Bucks ranked fifth at the 32-yard line as well, just separated by a couple decimal points. So if the Patriots can win the special teams battle, make the make the Bucks start further back, maybe in their inside their 20, just constantly pinning them deep with Bailey punting it and trying to get to that Pro Bowl caliber again, make them work for those extra yards and those extra scoring opportunities, maybe we'll give ourselves a chance. But we got to pass efficiently in the short yardage situations, and we got to win the special teams battle. That is what I think the Patriots have to do on Sunday night. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think the ball control is the big thing. Like you said, if this is a game where you're, you're trying to go score, score, break, you're going to lose because they're not the kind of firepower that the Buccaneers do. But you have to play that game they love to play, which is, you know, the screens, the dump-offs, the quick slants. Just move the ball, like, slowly have those six, seven-minute drives. You're getting points, and you're keeping Tom Brady sitting on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, it really hurts that we lost James White, who got hurt with a hip injury and is out indefinitely. He got hurt against the Saints, too. That was another big thing from that game. So it, we're, we're, we're down our main receiving back. We have uh, Brandon Bolden backing him up, who's not nearly the same type of playmaker he is. Damian Harris was very quiet against New Orleans. Don't entirely know why, and he's not a receiving type of back. So the Patriots are going to have to generate those short yardage opportunities for Mac Jones to be able to dice up a defense and be accurate. So we're going to see what happens, but the Bucks have a very good defense as well. Their secondary is their weakness, and we have to be able to exploit that in the short term because I also don't trust our offensive line to protect for a long time, so we're not going to have a chance to really throw it deep very often. All right, that's that's all good stuff today. I'll be excited to watch this game Sunday night. Let's get to the picks, which is the reason why you're here. Nick Freda, you met on the Star Wars podcast called Monzo Star Wars Movies Rankings. He was here for the picks last week. He's not having a good week. He went 0-3. That's not great. You don't want that. Okay. Yeah. That's not good. That is that is not good. So to reset what Nick did last week, I have it up on the screen for people watching the video version here. He had the Bucks getting the point and a half because he did this earlier in the week against the Rams and lost that one. He had the Seahawks laying a point and a half Minnesota, and you know what happened in that game. And he took your Patriots laying the three against the Saints, and that went backfired on him. To be fair with you, I had all three of those picks as well with my own picks, so I can't be too upset about them. So I went 0-3 on those specific ones as well. Though they, they wouldn't be my mortal locks or anything like that from last week. But I was with them on those picks. Yeah. I had a much better week. I went 3-0 for the first time this year. Hey, there we go. Good for you. What would you have? Yeah, 3-0 and on, on the week. I went head-to-head with him on the Rams-Bucks game. I took the Rams laying the points. I got that one easily. I had the Packers getting 3.5 in Santa Clara on Sunday night. That one worked out well. And the gut, that one as well. gut feel of the week based on how they were playing and the opponent. I took the Bengals getting the four and a half points in Pittsburgh against the Steelers, and they won the game outright. So good, good week for me. The Bengals aren't bad. The Bengals are not a terrible football team. They are not. They are playing much better. And Pittsburgh, Ben looks cooked. So I was like, that was the reason why I went against that pick. Because like, the Bengals at least keep this close, if not win, if not win the game. Yeah, I know. As as much as uh, Bears fans are angry that Andy Dalton might come back and start, I would take Andy Dalton at quarterback over Ben Roethlisberger right now. Yeah, so would I. So on the year, team challengers is two and seven. All, both wins came from Charlie Borders in week one. So I am four and five. So I'm trying to get back in the right direction here. So slow starts for both sides. All right. Well, let's try and get on the positive side here. All right. All right. We are going to the picks now. John, as the visitor here, you are up first. So where are you going with pick number one? 
Pick number one, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles getting seven and a half points against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs coming off a loss. People are going to think that they're hungry to get back to 500. But I point this out that Kansas City is allowing over five yards per rush, 5.4 to be exact, which is third worst in the NFL. And Philly is rushing about 5.4 yards per attempt in the NFL this season, which is second best. So you want to play ball control against Kansas City. You don't want to let Mahomes get a lot of possessions. So if the Eagles do what they can do well and run the ball, they will have that possession and they can keep this game close. Now, the thing is, Philly needs to trust running it because I think they've run it one of the fewest amount of times in the NFL this season. I think it was somewhere around like the 70, 75 mark. Just not a high total for three weeks. But that would be the plan if I was the Eagles. Do that. Kansas City is also 0-3 against the spread this year. So you got to hope that, you know, they keep that trend going. Maybe they go to 0-4. And Kansas City ranks dead last in the NFL this year in terms of expected points contributed by a defense, according to NFLReference.com. So a bad defense that's not good against the run, against a team that has run successfully when they have, and a running quarterback as well that can keep possession away from home. So while I think Kansas City will win this game outright, I do think that the Philadelphia Eagles keep it within 7.5. I love this pick on your on your part, too, because also, as you mentioned, A, the Chiefs don't cover. This is a problem like the last year. They've not covered games in a long time. Not since that Jet game last year, they've had, had trouble covering the spread for the last year and a half. And also, that hook is massive in this game because you can get the backdoor cover there, give it in seven points. That's a, I love that exactly. pick. Where are you going? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Where are you going to pick number two? Uh, pick number two for me. I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions getting two and a half against the Chicago Bears. I think the Detroit Lions win this game outright, so I would take the money line, but give me the two and a half points here. I think this is a tale of two teams that are going against each other with two incredibly opposite uh, dichotomies with head coaches. You have the Chicago Bears who don't want to play for their head coach, Matt Nagy, who has no idea what he's doing at the quarterback position and nobody believes in him. Versus the Detroit Lions with Dan Campbell, while they're not winning a lot, they're playing hard in these games. They're keeping on fighting. Jared Goff doesn't look terrible. And the Lions got beat bad last week, so they're going to want to bounce back with a division win this week against the Bears, who have the worst scoring offense I've ever seen. They're terrible. Them and the Jets are just abysmal offensively. They had less than 50 yards last week total, something like that. Yeah, that's just terrible. So the Bears are the second worst scoring offense, and they're allowing almost 50% on third down conversions, which is almost as bad as the Washington Redskins this year. So the Detroit Lions with a good defense themselves going up against a bad offense and a Lions offense with Swift, they'll convert on those third downs. And I think they win this game outright against the lowly Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy's hot seat, hot seat gets even hotter. I love this pick too, because the Lions have been in all their games this year for at least a good portion of it. The big comeback is the Niners in week one, scared you half to death in the knockout pool. They gave the Packers a fright in the first half, and they should have won last week. Judd Ducker needs a historic kick to win that game, so I love that pick. I think they are going to win outright, so great job there on that pick. All right. All right. We're we're two for two on agreements here. All right, pick number three. Where are you going? Pick number three, I am picking a favorite. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers, minus six and a half versus Pittsburgh. I think this is just a, you look at the quarterbacks here. I think you got Aaron Rodgers, who proved that he is still one of the best in the NFL with the comeback last week against a quarterback that looks like he doesn't want to play anymore and can't throw a ball more than 10 yards down the field and can't shuffle his feet more than a yard in the pocket. Uh, So Green Bay has a top 10 pass defense and Pittsburgh can't run the ball for anything. So are they going to have to rely on Big Ben to toss the ball around against a solid secondary? I don't think that's a great way to go. 
and opponents against Pittsburgh this year are getting over 12 yards per completion. And if you give Aaron Rodgers time to throw the ball deep, he's going to take advantage of it. And Pittsburgh, for their great defense, theoretically, no TJ Watt last week. We'll see about this week. They've only hit the opponent quarterback 13 times this year. So with that ranks 29th in the NFL. So you're telling me Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to get time against a secondary that's allowed big plays? I will take Aaron Rodgers every single time with that. I think Green Bay wins this game by over a touchdown. I would say it's a two-possession win for the Green Bay Packers over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Agree as well. Three for three. As he said, I pick is the Ben. That's not good, though, that we agree on all my picks, Mike. We need to disagree on one because that's just where we're putting the skunk on them if we agree on all of them. Well, I think you might disagree with some of mine, so we'll see where we get to there. But I think, as you said, pick against Ben. I think it's a value pick here. And you're, again, not having to worry about the hook here. You get a touchdown win. Good job. Yep, yep. All right. I'm up now. My first pick. Pick number one. I'm going to take the Saints at home, laying eight and a half against the Giants. Going back to the Superdome. A lot of emotion in there. The crowd's going to be jazzed up. A big win for the Saints against your team last week. And the Giants are a god-awful football team. I mean, how they lost Atlanta last week makes no sense. Joe Judge has no idea what he's doing. They just lost Blake Martinez of the season. Probably their best defensive player in the front seven outside of Leonard Williams. And... The Giants never win down there. You know this. They never win in New Orleans. And I think this game's going to be a blowout with the way the Giants are playing. So give me the Saints laying all those points for pick number one. I, I would agree with this pick. I wouldn't make it a lock. My only worry is that it's over a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think Daniel Jones hasn't played bad in the past couple of weeks. He has not been the reason that the New York Giants have lost. Though with that being said, with them losing to the Saints last year, I do think they lose this game. I think you got to hope for a defensive touchdown from the Saints, which is very possible against Daniel Jones' turnover point ability. So I agree with you, but I'm not 100% confident. Put me at like 60% leaning on your side. All right, that's pick number one. Pick number two, I'm going to go to that Sunday night game. I'm going to take the Buccaneers laying the seven against the Patriots here. This is just one. I just, I knew you're not going to like it, but I can't bet against Tom Brady here. Coming off a loss, big motivating factor here. And I don't think, New, as you said, New England's an inferior team. I don't think they're going to be up to the moment here. I think they're going to have a lot of trouble here. They're going to be an angry Tampa Bay team. I think they win this game by double digits. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers laying the seven pick, too. I agree with you 100%. I would have made that a mortal lock of mine, but I'm not putting a bet against the Patriots as a mortal lock of mine. So I agree with you 100% here. I think this is a 14-point game, uh, if that, if we're lucky. Yeah, that's pick number two. Pick number three, I'm take, I have to get a dog on the board here. So I'm going to take the Ravens getting a point and a half in Denver against the Broncos. And I think this one here, I saw Denver last week. Denver was good. But again, track record for Denver. They had three teams they had beaten this year. The Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets are combined 0-9. This is a big step up in weight class here, the Ravens. The Ravens had the big win in Kansas City. They had the letdown last week in Detroit, and they got bailed out by Justin Tucker. I think they're going to be focused coming in this game. I think they can win this one outright pretty easily. I think they'll make some plays against the Denver defense. I'm only, I'm getting a point and a half. I think they're going to win this outright. So give me the Ravens getting a point and a half in Denver for my last pick of the week. I disagree with you, sir. I am picking the Denver Broncos. It's time to start believing in the Denver Broncos. Their defense is good. Teddy Bridgewater is salvageable. They have weapons on the outside that are solid. Despite losing Jerry Judy, they're still putting up decent numbers on the outside. And the thing is, they're being creative with their playmaking on the offensive side. I like the, Den the Denver Broncos here. I've been down on the Baltimore since the start of this year because I don't think they are multidimensional on offense, and I think Denver's defense is good enough to take away one of the Ravens' main facets, especially if the Ravens' wide receivers just don't catch the ball. That'll be very, That's very helpful as well. So I like the Denver Broncos here at home to play well defensively and win a close game. I think it'll be within a field goal, but the spread's not that big, so that's why I like Denver in this one. So I do agree with you on one. 
All right, so to reset the picks here, Stanko is going with the Eagles getting seven and a half against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Lions getting two and a half against the against the Bears. He likes them to win outright as well in that game. He's playing the money line. The Packers laying six and a half against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am laying the eight and a half with the Saints to blow out the Giants at the Superdome. I'm laying the seven with the Buccaneers to win the Tom Brady reunion tour here. And I'm getting the point and a half with the Ravens in Denver. And those are your picks for week number four on the Just End the Suffering podcast. And I want to update the audience here as well. I do the knockout pick every week on the podcast. You in a knockout pool this year, John? Uh, I am. I am still alive as well. I am still alive. So who have you used so far? Oh, I need to remember now. I used San Francisco week one, so I had a scare like you. I used Carolina last week. And I believe I used Cleveland in week two against Houston. So I've used San Francisco, Cleveland, and Carolina. That is also my exact sequence. So we are actually on the same page here for what teams we have available to us. So, all right. So who are you picking with week four? Week four. There, I think there are two options on the board here. I think option number one, Tennessee against the Jets. Yep. I think option, that one. option number two, the, the one I'm taking, the spread is so big. And I picked against the Texans last week. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills at home. Laying 16 and a half points. I mean, that tells you. We saw how dominant they looked against uh, Washington last week. There's no way Davis Mills is going into Buffalo and win that football game. That is the one that I think I'm going to pick. Once I get, yeah, once I submit my pick, I was leaning Buffalo Bills as my number one option. But agree with you, Tennessee is the number two option if you don't want to take a uh, a big favorite, if uh, if you don't want to take a big team or that early on with Buffalo. But I think you got to be safe, still stay alive as people get knocked out in these early weeks. So I agree with you, the Buffalo Bills. That would be my pick as well. That's why Again, we're getting too much, Mike. We're agreeing too much. Yeah, I mean, we were like last week, I figured I'll risk it for the biscuit with Carolina here. Just take the chance that like they might be good later. But this is a, that was a week where I saw a couple I was not sure about. So, you know, I said they're not losing that game to Davis Mills on a short week. So I said I'm going to do that. So I'll just pick against Davis Mills again. I agree with you. Before we go, Mike, I want to ask you, what's one game week four you're most excited for? Maybe it's a little bit off the radar, one we didn't talk about yet, but one game that you think is going to be very entertaining. I like those two NFC West battles, the Rams, 40, Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks, especially that second game because Seattle needs to win because they cannot be one and three at the division. You have one team that's going four and if they lose to Niners, the Niners are three and one. Yeah, I'm with you. I love the NFC West battle between Arizona and and LA, uh, the Rams, because I think Kyler Murray has been absolutely insane thus far. You hope DeAndre Hopkins is healthy for him this week and the Rams are just coming off a huge win. Can they keep that momentum? Right now, they're the best two teams in the NFC West. The way they played, I think that game is going to be an absolute shootout. I'll, I mean, I'd be scared to bet the over because it's probably going to keep on going up over the course of the week. But I think that game is going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, and next week on the picks here, I'm going to have our legal guy, Phil Frazier, come on the line. Big Giants guy. So we're going to start getting, seeing the anger of the Giant fans growing as the season progresses. I don't know where that wind's coming from for them. New York sports right now is abysmal. There's not much to look forward to if you're a New York sports fan right now across any sports. Unless, unless you're, you're a Brooklyn Nets fan. Or a Yankee fan right now, because at least you have a good shot going to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Red Sox fan. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Because, I mean, the football season's over in September again, which is incredible for, for New York. It is. It is. You got to hope for a coach's firing to generate some juices or something to happen. I don't know. But Zach Wilson needs to learn to not throw the ball to the other team. Yeah, and the whole team is a mess because, like, that, as you mentioned, the Bears' performance being bad offensively, I the Jet game was brutal to watch. I mean, they could do anything in that game right. Yeah, the thing, I mean, yeah, the thing is, I think with the Bears, it's more of the play calling and everything that was not great. But with the Jets, 
Zach Wilson just looked bad. He was, there was a lot of highlights of him just missing comeback and out routes, yeah. and he just was not accurate with the football. So it depends which one is scarier, your quarterback just not being good and not being accurate with correct play calls or a coaching staff that has no idea what to do with a super uber talented quarterback and just putting him in all the bad spots. You got to pick your poison there. Because the thing is, like, it's a bad team. You know the mark of the bad football teams. They can never – there's, like, there's not, like, one moment where they do anything right, where there's something going wrong every play, whether it's the line not blocking – where receivers not getting open, receivers dropping passes, the defense not making stops, the quarterback not completing passes or completing the other team, questionable coaching. The Jets have it all right now. Yeah, they do, but I do think Salah's not a terrible coach in the long haul. Again, the Jets' defense is not terrible. Yeah. Uh, the Jets' defense is not terrible. Just offensively right now, they need to have Jesus Christ come down and bless them with some talent because they're lacking everywhere. I mean, they have a talent. They just been putting him on the bench right now for God knows what reason. Denzel, you know, Corey, like, did you have talent? Corey Davis is he that talented? Is no, he that no, talented no, I said, offensively? I, I said like my point was why is Denzel Mims on the bench or throwing Braxton Barrios or former Patriot like like every other pass in the offense? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Mims, Mims is solid, yeah. uh, but again, I think Corey Davis is a low end number two wide receiver or a high end wide receiver three. Maybe he's not a number one option. He's not. He's I, I'm. Like the way I looked at it is like your best hope here is that like he becomes like your number two, like an Eric Decker was in 2015, where you have somebody above him who's better. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. But, I would agree with you. But my football team season's over. Yours, at least you still have a shot here because you have a way on the board. The schedule's not terrible. No, the schedule's not bad. Once we get past this week, it lightens up a little bit. Again, I think the Patriots will be roughly an eight, nine win team. If we get to nine wins, we'll compete for a playoff spot. Really wish we won against New Orleans. It would have made me feel a lot better, but. It's fun to watch the Patriots because we have a young quarterback and we have some talent that is young. So unlike last year where everything was just kind of slammed together like a like a messy clay mache ball and everything was just disgusting the entire season. This year, there's actually a plan and we'll see some improvement as the year goes on, even though the record might not show it. There's reason for optimism. Absolutely, John. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I can you follow social media and keep up with what you're doing over at Stanko Stance. You can follow me on Twitter at jstanko99 or follow me at stankosstance.com, movies, sports, all the whole shebang. Yeah, and we'll be talking later this month because we are doing that Dune podcast at the end of the month. That'll be exciting. Oh, I am so excited, Michael. I am almost done with the book as well, so I'm doing the whole book before the movie, and I'll be able to talk all about it. I'm very excited. I'm nervous. I'm just very excited. Absolutely, and funny because last year our big Halloween project was the Mandalorian premiere. Now we get Dune. I listen. I'm more excited for Dune than Mandalorian. Being straight up with you, hey, Dune, straight up, Dune looks incredible. I cannot wait for this. I am so excited. Remember, people going in. I'm telling you this right now. PSA: This Dune is going to be in two parts. This is not the entire Dune book. If you know the Dune story, this is only going to be part one. And he's creating a part two, being Devil's Villeneuve. So this is only part one. Keep that in mind before going in. They're not really promoting that aspect of it, but this is only part one. Absolutely, John. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. The two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill here. I want to touch back on the Mets here. Something I didn't really get to last week on the podcast. I want to t- dive into this more a little bit is the whole start of the whole process here. The what's going to be clear, 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 like retool of the Mets. And when you have a franchise here that, as Anthony DeCombo pointed out the other day, Spent 103 days in first place and officially losing record. The first team to ever do that in the 150 plus year history of baseball. That's a sign you got to really start over. And I think 
the thing here is it begins with the front office because obviously we know we've been through the mistakes. We've been through the Jared Porter sexting scandal that got him fired. We went through Zach Scott getting the DWI and getting himself basically suspended. Sandy Olsen at 74 years old basically having to come back to base of operations when he had no desire to do so. And there have been mistakes made here. Even when Zach Scott was on the job, they made some poor choices managing the roster. I was too conservative with the idea of trying to go get pitching, and you saw it really burn that bullpen out. Think about all those bullpen games in June and the days they're starting Jared Eikhoff. Those games they were just giving away, saying, we're playing for tomorrow. When you need the relievers in August, they were all dead. That's all you need to know in that front. Now, the question is here, this is something Steve Cullen wanted to do last offseason, where he wanted to go hire a big-time president of baseball operations to run the whole ship here and set the tone for the organization. He could not really do it by the time you got approved by the owners. It was November of all these other teams are getting into their offseason planning. Now, though, he has a full year under his belt, and he will have the regular calendar start looking to get people in here. The list I've heard has big names on it. Obviously, Theo Epstein's a free agent because he works in the commissioner's office. Go try and give him, a, give him a blank check. Say, hey, come run the team. You can do that. The rumor of Billy Bean potentially coming over from Oakland after I invest his ownership stake in the A's, but coming to a big market, the organization that drafted him, working with Sandy Olson, who he admits is his mentor, actually bringing Bob Melvin along as the manager. Ken Rosenthal mentioned the athletic as a possibility. Great package deal. Getting uh, Stearns from the Brewers would be great because all he's done in Milwaukee he's turned them into a, a powerhouse. Getting somebody out of the race front office is never a bad idea. All that's great. But the thing that's annoying me, and well, I think that I'm me picking with the media here, is we have all these negative reports about how Steve Cohen is such a repulsive owner that he's going to keep anyone away from this job. How people won't get permission to interview here. And how his Twitter account is... It's just too distracting and can get in the way, and they don't want to handle the expectations of him trying to guarantee the fan base a World Series winner in the next three to five years. All that to me is absolute nonsense, and I'm sick of hearing all the media types preaching to us how Steve Cohen has a Twitter account, and that makes him a bad person to work for. While these same media types were covering the Wilpons for years. Remember when Jeff Wilpon basically fired a pregnant woman because she was not married? Remember that. Remember all of the fiascos from that front office regime. How Jeff Wilpon reportedly wanted Pedro Martinez to pitch in 2005 in a meaningless game to sell tickets. The Tony Bernard stuff. You could go down the line here. Steve Cohen, yes, he made some mistakes this year. Yes, he was a little too goofy on Twitter. But if the worst aspect of this job is the owner is goofy on Twitter, I don't want to hear about how it's going to keep away all those established types. You're giving these guys the key to a potential castle here that could be as strong as any baseball. You have a guy worth billions of dollars who wants to win. He will give you what you need to win. You have the kind of resource here you will never have in Oakland or Milwaukee or Cleveland, wherever market you want to think of. The idea here that someone looking to make a big move in their career and take on a challenge is going to shy away because Steve Cohen tweets too much? Come on now. People in this industry are highly competitive. I get there'll be some cases where they say, you know what, I have a family situation here. I don't want to relocate. I like where I'm at. Fine. But you're telling me that no one's going to come? That I do not buy. The Mets will get somebody in here. 
I think of all the possibilities mentioned, I think Epstein or Bean are the two most likely. I don't think Stearns is going to leave Milwaukee. I mean, yes, he does have only one year left on his contract. He basically forces his way here if he wants. Maybe the Mets trade something over there like a prospect or a player to get the Bryce to Stearns who can reshape the whole organization. I think the Bean thing is, is fascinating because he's done such a good job keeping the age relevant all these years. You come over here, bring Melvin over, and basically try and reset here and run Moneyball with money, which is what Sandy Olsen was originally supposed to do. I think there are things you can do here to make this job a fascinating one. You have good pieces here already. You had the best pitcher in baseball, Jacob DeGrom. You have a dynamic shortstop on Francisco Lindor, who should be much better year two in flushing. You have a home run champ in Pete Alonso on the roster. You have some good pieces on here to, to start with. There is work to be done, sure. There are a lot of choices that have to be made. A lot of decisions that have to be made. Fixing this mess is not easy. But Cohen wants the best. I think he's going to get somebody on that list. I think the idea that the candidates are all going to stay away from him because he tweets is just complete and utter nonsense. I'm sick of hearing that narrative. And with that, I'm going to end the show here. I want to thank John Stanger for hopping on the line to do week four NFL picks. One more stuff like this podcast. Leave a review of the Ken Burns documentary on Muhammad Ali. I watched all four episodes, all eight hours of it on PBS last week. I wrote a review. Check it out on my blog, justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms. You can find all episodes there. Feel free to give your feedback and star ratings will help make the podcast even better going forward. And check out the archives I mentioned in our early episode this week with Anthony Sorbonne talking all the baseball. That's up in the feed as well. You can check that out there. You can also check out the YouTube page, Mike Phelps on YouTube. The video version of this chat with John, along with all the fancy grabs you do for the NFL picks, that's up on there as well on the YouTube page. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And I'm closing in, guys, on the 400 Twitter followers here. If you guys can push me over that edge, that would be great. And... That's it for this week in podcasting. A lot of fun stuff going on here. And next week, we have a busy week of shows. We're going to do some MLB playoff coverage. We're going to do the Sky Guide, do NFL picks. We'll have a surprise in the marks for you and more. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Giants fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.